What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Excuse Day to you. It's uh, September 5th, 2023. I'm Trey Crowder. That's Mark Ag. What's up, Mark? Labor Day weekend. How about, I mean, it's over now, but it was Labor Day weekend. Yeah, but in honor of Labor Day, we're we'll talking about some uh, uh, the upcoming auto worker strike. Look at what's going to happen starting next week, and uh, some changes from uh, the Labor Department. That's going to have me saying a few nice things about Joe Biden. So uh, I know that mm. it's for a lot of uh, the viewers when I do that. A uh, couple yeah. things before we get to, get to the show. Uh, Mitch McConnell had another brain freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, the one last week, right? Like not, yeah, not another it's, one after that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's two total. Yeah, and Joe Biden said some nice stuff about it because as a fellow old, and but then Mitch's caucus is coming for him, it looks like. Because that's funny, just a fucking a nest of vipers <laughs> on the Republican side. Uh, um, they, but they found a doctor to say, oh, he's fine. I don't know where like all these politicians find their, their version of Michael Jackson's doctor. Yeah. He's like, oh, just whatever you want to say, I'll say it. That seems to be one of the major perks of having wealth and or power is having a doctor who just like works for you basically. And will just write whatever note or whatever script or just whatever you want. You know what I mean? Although dude, I don't know. I've known some regular people who apparently had a doctor like that too. You know what I mean? Like some doctors yeah. just, they'd be like, actually Joe Zimmerman, a very funny comic friend of mine. He had a bit on like an album of his years ago. It was like, he said, uh, uh, he went to the doctor and was like, Hey, I think I might have uh, ADHD. And the doctor was like, okay, well, let me ask you, do you have health insurance? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's some riddling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. I just don't know. Like these guys to be clinically dead, and the doctor be like, "Well, indigestion." It's like mm-hmm. I'm looking at a dead guy, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like they're like, "Oh, he's dehydrated." Like I, I, I've been dehydrated. I, I didn't forget how to talk for thirty seconds and have another adult have to lead me around. I don't know. Yeah, there should be some kind of remotely plausible medical explanation that they could give, even if they wanted to then say. But he can work it out and he'll be okay. You know, even if they wanted to say that, you think they could give some? They could give something a little more plausible than just like, yeah, you know, shit happens. You freeze up sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you do. <laughs> uh, another news: a uh, big get for Tucker Carlson tonight. He got the he got he's a long sit down interview with the guy. This guy's been floating around for like fifteen years, but he says he had gay sex with Obama in the nineties while they did crack together. And, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, and it's like that's the level of guest. Like this guy's been interviewed by all the right wing tabloids for for a long time, and he seems like a guy who definitely did crack in the nineties. But like this supposedly happened in nineteen ninety nine when Barack Obama was thirty eight years old and a a state senator and an employee of like a partner at a white shoe law firm. And it's just really weird to also be out in the streets doing crack and having sex uh, in the back of a car. But so, (laughs) but the funny thing was, he says. And he says, hi, my name's Barack Obama. And I had no idea who he was. Which is like, yeah, he's just the state center. I, I, I probably mm-hmm. couldn't pick my state center out of a lineup. But like the, the, the I'm Barack Obama part is a, is a really weird tell because he, Barack his whole life went by Barry. Yeah. <laughs> so like he wouldn't have introduced himself in a social situation. It's like you already gave away the game, but he just, he just started going by Barack. So people like him wouldn't think he was trying to hide the fact he had a foreign side. Like he was like, like his, I'm just Irish, Barry Obama. You know, it's like, I don't know. Is this uh, is this tied into the? Aren't they also? And I know this is the thing they bring up every now and then, and it gets floated around amongst those circles, dipshit circles. But like, aren't they also on some stuff lately about something to do with him? I, he's gay, and Michelle's a man, or was a man, yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. Is this related to this dude? Is it all part of the same thing, or are they two separate things? 
it's only it's only related to the same thing in the sense that they're all fucking nuts. Right. Yeah. Just have to like it's like I don't care if would I don't care if Barack Obama was blowing dudes and doing crack in 1999. What the fuck does the difference make to me? As between him and Michelle. Uh, <laughs> in yeah, other I mean, news, especially now, yeah. you know what I mean. He's long since not been the president or whatever. You know what I mean. Like what what is even the point? Oh, of- they think he's still running the country through Biden. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, another news, Enrique Tarrio, the leader of the Proud Boys, uh, got 22. He was sentenced today to, uh, to 22 years in prison, federal prison, uh, for seditious conspiracy, among other charges. Um, you don't remember him. He was like, the, mm-hmm. he's the guy who uh, he wasn't even at January 6th, even though he orchestrated a lot of it because he was arrested for a weapons charge. And at least plane landed in D.C. So like very much just like I didn't even get to have the fun of walking around the Capitol. Uh, he's also the, I mean, he was their leader, but like, he's one of their token minorities, right? He was like one of the only Brown yeah. guys in the prominent in the proud boys or whatever. So, yeah. And he's always gone by Enrique. I know Enrique is Spanish for Henry, but they was called everyone in his sentencing was calling him Henry today and pleading for leniency. So they went with the white guy name for the sentencing was probably. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. But, uh, so, but the other, they hit his family up there talking about what a nice guy is. And he was begging, please don't take away my forties from me. You know, uh, 22 years, is a long time. I wouldn't want to go, but he, uh, he hears me quote from the uh, news report and asking for a lighter sentence. Tario's lawyers pointed out that he has a history of working undercover with law enforcement. You usually don't want to plead. I'm a snitch actually before going to federal right. for two decades. Yeah. Uh, bold strategy cotton. Yes. Yes, it is. But he was sort of like, he was hampered by the fact that all these guys have been claiming, oh, I've given up on politics. I don't even follow it anymore. Um, I, January 6th was wrong. They thought these, these like crocodile tears about what to do to their family from to go to prison. And he did get a January departure from what the prosecutors wanted. They wanted 30 years for him. So he, air quote, only got 22. But he was probably hurt by last week. A guy did the same song and dance number. And then as soon as the judge gave him 17 years when the government wanted 25, he turned around and pumped his fist and said, Trump won, motherfuckers. <laughs> and then, and then, so yeah, he, he, they, they, so maybe, they, maybe they intentionally fucked Tario because he, you know, he was a snitch. But, uh, uh, he's also Joey Biggs, another guy who was sentenced last week, went on Alex Jones show after he was sentenced and talked about how he plans on Trump pardoning him. So all these guys are treating this like it's a joke still. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess they are like in their heads, they are probably banking on, you know, Trump getting being rightfully reinstated at some point, whether through the election yeah. or whatever, and in which case, obviously, they'll be pardoned and then celebrated and you know, celebrated amongst the masses for the heroes that they are. Is I mean, what they've got Trump. going on upstairs, I imagine. It's Trump. If it'll cost him a mild, any sort of mild inconvenience, he won't do it or he'll just forget. Mm-hmm. But also, like, like you're betting 20 years of your life on Trump getting reelected in part. Like, I buy Mega Millions tickets, I get it, but like, what, what are you doing here? Uh, one more update before we get to the show. Another case we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ken Paxson's impeachment uh, trial started in uh, in Texas today. His attorney general of Texas, if you guys don't remember, he's uh, basically he got impeached for a bunch of corruption shit related to a developer named Nate Paul, and also just being a lot of chintzy stuff. But there was it, it started today, and it did not. It does not look good for him. It was not going well. Um, but some more other news reports, like former staffers, came forward this week. Uh, in, in, or last week, and had some stories about stuff that he did, including taking unexplained Caribbean and European vacation trips. It means the attorney general of Texas that cost taxpayers ninety thousand dollars because of his personal security detail. Um, he got he bought a six hundred dollars sports coat and charged it to a nonprofit event organizer. And uh, he, this 
he took more international trips than the governor and lieutenant governor combined. Like he went to Qatar to watch the World Cup, which I'm not sure whether that's Texas Attorney General business. Right. Um, he also got personalized license plates or special license plates that I guess would have cost twelve dollars and fifty cents, but never paid. <laughs> uh, These the like. This, but this anecdote still like you wonder why after like, f- like two decades of being horrifically corrupt in public life, why they came for him. Here's the kind of thing they're actually mad about. Uh, and they quote from the story around Christmas for years, Texas grocery giant HEB sent a, co- a coconut dusted cake to the attorney general's office, which staff shared. That changed after Patton Paxton was elected, according to three former employees. Uh, once it Paxton once told staff not to touch the cake because it was for his birthday, which is December 23rd. Uh, another another said Paxton brought the cake uh, to a Tex-Mex restaurant for a staff lunch, but never served it. And a third watched Paxton and an aide walk out of the office carrying the cake box. The cake cost $45. He right. fucked mm-hmm. these people out of a bite of cake, and yeah. they are getting him in peace over it. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. We talked last time when he got brought up. It's like, man, you got to be a real piece of shit, like as a Republican AG in Texas, to get impeached by the super Republican majority they have in the state house there or whatever. Like, what has this guy been doing? And it's like, if he was just doing the regular, like Clarence Thomas thing, like, you know, some uh, Bahamas trips and stuff here and there, whatever, everybody probably turned a blind eye, but you can't just be not sharing the cake. You know what I mean? The yeah. official office cake. That'll, that'll piss people off. But yeah, I mean, I guess they do have a line somewhere and it's somewhere around, you know, stealing cake, but this guy, he was, I think also the larger point is just, this dude was evidently just stealing everything. Cake license plates. Like he just wasn't paying for anything. Like for the taxpayer was footing the entire bill. He stole a, remember he stole a, a colleague's mop block pen till he was caught on camera and had to give it back. Uh, oh, right. But like, Remember of a part like remember his wife's a state senator. She, she's sitting in on the trial. They took away her ability to vote. Yep. But a part of this is like Nate Paul gave his mistress a job, like a no show job, uh, so, so to pay her to fuck Paxton or whatever. And the so his wife's sitting there, and I'm like, if I humiliate, forget even if I just cheated on my wife, much less humiliated her to this fashion, mm-hmm. there would not be a trial. I mean, she right. might get a trial. But like, I just this is a level of stand by your man is like unprecedented, and this hopeless trial. The guy representing him, his name is uh Tony Busby. That uh, sounds familiar. That is he. Who is that? He's a guy. Is that the Sean Watson? Not his lawyer, but the other, but the accusers are. I've heard that I name before. I'm almost certain, and I, and as like a Texas attorney. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you Google it while I while I while oh, yeah. I. Uh, Tell us because who like he's running for Houston City Council. Busby is. He's also announced his company, a company uh, he started that is going to sell non-alcoholic Delta Eight THC infused seltzer with real uh, THC infused seltzer. He's partnering with a real estate exec on that. And I'm like, your your, your lawyer, your impeachment hearing is selling weed seltzer. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. probably not going to go well. Uh, but the guy was like, he's up there like, yeah, what he the- is. He uh, he represented the women. In the Deshaun Watson case, he also represented the victims of that Astro World. Remember that the Travis Scott ah. concert where those people he represented those people too. I knew I'd heard that guy's name before. Well, those are both anyway. pretty successful cases, so maybe he right. got good. But what I saw of his lawyering videos, most of it was like emotional pleas, like "What the hell are we doing here?" to a good man like Ken Paxton, and then it cut to a vote where he lost twenty two to uh, twenty two to eight. So. It's just, it's just, yeah, like, well, you can't win them all, buddy. I mean, this guy's, 
guy's really making it hard. It's like it's like being Antonio Brown's lawyer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't you know see, what you're supposed to do with that. <laughs> you see, today, if you guys don't know, Antonio Brown's a thoroughly crazy former NFL wide receiver, and he announced today that he has CTE, and everybody's like, "Yeah, we, we yeah. know." First of all, you can't yes, diagnose also, that. He I was about to say yeah. he can't. No one doubts it, but like. He, you can't, it's like, you know, declaring bankruptcy or whatever. Like that's not, they can't know that until after the person dies. Right. Right. Like you, you do can't know for sure yeah. until an autopsy. So like he can't just do that, but you know, that's sort of his MO is yeah. just doing <laughs> wild things. At least this one actually does make sense or checks out, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it with us. As always, as producer, Matt, this is weekly skews before we continue. I want to remind you, of course, of a few uh, items of business. Number one, if you'd like to see me perform live, I'll be in Texas next weekend, actually in Austin. Uh, and then after that, I got a five night, five city run through Ohio, hitting them all up Lexington then Washington state, Charleston, a whole bunch of places coming up in the near future. Go to trycrowder.com. Come and save me. Also at TryCrowder.com, you'll see a link to pre-order the book I wrote with Corey Ryan Forrester around here and over yonder. It is a uh, funny hillbilly travel guide, and it's a very good time. Super, super funny. Gut-busting, some would say. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, also, if you would, if you only, if you watch this show only, if you ever listen to podcasts, if you would subscribe to this podcast on a podcast app, we would appreciate it, the uh, audio version of it. It would uh, mean a lot to us in addition to, you know, smash that like button, hit share, subscribe, just all that internet stuff that helps the show out that's free for you. We'd appreciate it if you would uh, do those things. Thank you very much. And lastly, further, if you like this show and want to show your support, you can do so by signing up on Patreon, weeklyskews.com slash more, or go on Patreon and look my name up. Either way works. $5 a month gets you access to full-length bonus episodes. We'll be doing one later this week. We cover things we don't get to in the main show, things that come up in between, just stuff we want to talk about. It's a good time. We hope you will consider checking it out. Now, as for the show tonight, as Mark said, in honor of the holiday, we're going to be talking about the ongoing summer of the strike as the United Auto Workers are set to take it to the big three in Detroit. We'll talk about that a little later. But first, we begin with the Daily Dumbass. Matt, graphic, please. Tonight's DD, anyone who thought that even Ted Cruz couldn't make drinking look lame somehow. Let's see this video. State has now done that for new construction. They're trying to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, it's hot in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling fans. And now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. No, okay. Um, so I, uh, I brought a beer to drink with you. I'll drink this non-alcoholic. No, okay. I'm not allowed to drink on camera, but so I've never seen like if you asked me to imagine what it was like having a beer with Ted Cruz, this is exactly what I would imagine. If you guys are just listening, it's a room full of guys who are standing quietly behind him drinking beer mm-hmm. with kind of a look of annoyance and disdain while Ted Cruz makes. Right. His- this is pre-formulated speech about how they can kiss. He likes saying they can kiss his ass. It's like his they're all like they're all also out of like central casting for like real men in Texas or whatever. They yeah. got like their hats and their flannel and they just they look like working men. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you know that's not an accident. And they're flanking him in the shadows. 
presumably feeling pretty awkward as he uh, tries to look like a badass while drinking that beer. And then later in the video, the, the host, it cracked me up and the host was like, mm, okay. Uh, just the way he said that was funny. But then he's like, I'll drink one with you. This one's non-alcoholic. And then Ted Cruz is like, yeah, well, mine's not. And then that guy's like, well, I'm going to drink a real beer after the show. Just so you know, they get this whole thing. It's like just trying to prove how manly and cool they are by drinking beers or yeah. whatever. But it's also like, I mean, I know you're about to, we're about to cover this, but like the people that give out guidelines for like how many dr- beers you drink in a week, that's like, that's a thing with everything, right? Like, we, like I'm saying, we have guidelines for sugar or yeah. meat or cheese uh-huh. or milk or any of that stuff. And it's like, no one's ever blamed the president for it. I don't think, or acted like it was like, you know, uh, legally, binding. Stri- legally binding requirement. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like, no, they make, suggestions for a healthy lifestyle or whatever and you can say fuck that if you want and it's always been that way why are you now acting like it isn't because i mean that's what this is right like a new guideline for yeah so this is a this is this week's more manufactured moral panic uh it's about two beers what happened and i listen they're getting harder and harder to figure out and like uh uh the the white house uh press Press Secretary St. Pierre, I can't think of her name right now. She was asked about this by Steve Ducey, and even she didn't understand what the fuck he was talking about. So what happened was the director of the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, uh, a guy named Dr. George Koob, was given an interview to the Daily Mail, uh, and they were asked how U.S. alcohol guidelines could change when when they revised in 2025. And Coop said that alcohol consumption guidelines, if they were, go, were to go in any direction, it'd probably be more in line with Canada's, where they got some new uh, new guidelines that recommended citizens limit alcoholic drinks to two a week. And he said, here's the quote, money quote. I mean, they're not going to go up, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, right. the, guy, yeah. the guy's the director of Keep It American Sober. And right. he said, maybe you ought to drink less. And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Go ahead. This is this is a one more step towards communism as one doctor right. from one government board saying maybe you should only have two beers. Which right. What do I'm they not expect? That guideline, but what do they yeah. expect the director of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism to say? I mean, I'm surprised it's even two coming from that guy. Also, I, this dude's name, George Koob, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it doesn't really fit. His because he just sounds like the the biggest tank in the fraternity to me. Coob, you know what I mean? Like Coob, yeah. Coob, up, Coob, Coob, Coob. Yeah, he sounds. You know, he's got a drinking name to sound to uh, me. But you know, this, good this for all him. reminded me like oh, I don't know. What do you want your doctor to prescribe you to get drunk? I don't know. Like what the fuck? Like, they, but they did remind me of my buddy Paul uh, when I lived in Texas. His uh, he happens to be uh, his parents are from India. And his dad didn't drink at all. But then his doctor, he had some sort of like, I don't know, uh, high cholesterol or something that would be good for him to drink like a beer occasionally. So his doctor prescribed him one beer a day and he liked it, but he didn't want his wife to see him drink. So he'd be drinking the ba- his beer in the bathroom. Mm, but he liked it so much that he, <laughs> he turned that beer into a 40 ounce. So he'd drink one 40 ounce a day alone in the bathroom. Doctor's the orders. Bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still just one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's like, I don't like, I don't know, man. It's like, what do you like? These people are so fucking insane. Like what? But like you could, my buddy Charles made the joke that like, if you could, if you could get some government official to say that you should eat no more than one battery a day, all these people would fucking die. 
So <laughs> we just need to do that. Ted, Ted Cruz, I hope Ted Cruz's doctor prescribes him to drink a fifth of vodka and then operate a backhoe. That's what I'm hoping happens. <laughs> All right. Our honorable mention for Daily Dumbass is Joe Biden for not doing anything about climate change when he first took office during the Ice Age. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene explains. Climate change? You're going to tell me that back in the Ice Age, how much taxes did people pay and how many changes did governments make to melt the ice? The climate is going to continue to change. And there is no reason to just open up our borders and allow everyone in and continue to funnel over $50 billion or however many billions of dollars or trillions of dollars to foreign countries all over the world simply because they don't like the climate change. All right. So, Mark, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but like that sounds to me like she's just sort of like stringing a bunch of their bullshit together. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a yeah. Republican mad look. Like, are those things actually relate? Like she goes like climate change ain't real. That's why immigration sucks. And also, fuck Ukraine, everybody else that wants our money or whatever. But trying to make it into like one cogent argument that she's making, which has never been her strong suit. But like. Right. What, I'm not what sure. What's trying like, to say? <laughs> I was mostly focused on the uh, the climate change part of it because she's, she's yeah. acting like she's trying to say the climate always changes and God yes. does. Humans don't do it. Right. Except that the ice age was caused by an asteroid hitting Earth. Um, so I guess she doesn't believe that either. Maybe God sent the asteroid. I don't fucking know. But uh, Congress is coming back into session and they're coming back off their their their, their summer breaks. You know, because they all they need a good seven months off a year. And a lot of people spend it having fun. For example, Ronnie Jackson, you know, the former White House doctor slash pillhead is now a congressman from Texas. He got arrested <laughs> uh, drunk at a rodeo. So Hell he had a yeah. good time. Yeah. Uh, Marge has been running around the country trying to make her case to be Trump's VP candidate. She basically right. seems to be in a dead heat with Corey Lake at the moment. The two of them hate each other. These, these uh, psycho rivalries intrigue me. Like we've talked about Boebert right. versus uh, Marjorie right. before, and now it's Corey Lake. Uh, they all seem to agree that each other aren't serious people, but don't own mirrors, I guess. Right. Uh, but Bobert and Carrie Lake hate each other or is it just, they, they, were, like, they all hate MTG or is it like a triumvirate of hatred? They all three. Yeah. MTG I don't know. Suck. <laughs> I haven't seen anything about Corey Lake versus, uh, uh, Bobert, but of course they're not, they're not competing for anything the way that M the, 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 the other sets of the trio are. Um, it's like in Congress, MJT and Boebert can beat for attention and to be basically the same person. And then right. the VP thing on the other end. Right. So like, so as climate change becomes more and more obvious and we can just like see it and touch it, they're getting way, way stupider. Like, and it's going to become the preeminent, you know, issue of our time. So they have to figure out something. God, I fucking hope so, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does, but not with these unserious people arguing. Because one of the things Green said recently, this a couple of days ago, she went on Alex Jones's show. She's talking about Burning Man, and she said two things about Burning Man that are the exact opposite. One, she said God sent tornadoes to Burning Man to teach them a lesson, which I didn't see anybody in tornadoes, but I don't doubt right. it. But she also said that it, whatever happened to Burning Man was a conspiracy theory to get everyone in one place. There were these conspiracy theories floating around all weekend about how like FEMA was trying to trap people there for some reason to contain an Ebola outbreak. That was a joke conspiracy oh, theory. Right. That and then there, but the, but Marjorie is saying that they trapped them there and flooded it to convince them climate change is real and all these people would go home and spread climate propaganda. So like, <laughs> is it God sent tornadoes or the government manufactured the weather? Right. Or both. Or I'm not sure 
Right. But, well, see, they yeah. only planned on maybe the flooding, but then God sent the tornadoes just to up the mm-hmm. ante a, a little bit or whatever. But yeah, I mean, there were no, there weren't tornadoes, right? Just rained a lot. No. Yeah. Yeah. It rained a lot. People got people's cars like sank in the mud so nobody could get out. It was pretty funny. So uh, when considering- they like expanded their definition of like, uh, you know, God smiting people with weather too, because it used to just be the gays, right? Gay mm-hmm. sex led to all these earthquakes in California or whatever. It's like, you know, California is the gayest place. That's why it's uh, always on fire and being, uh, you know, getting hit by earthquakes and stuff. But then gay sex also causes hurricanes and tornadoes and things of that nature. But I don't think everybody at Burning Man is gay. Or maybe you're gay while you're at Burning Man. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like, just anything, any kind of liberalism can now cause I even tornadoes. Know. <laughs> Burning Man's brand currently, it used to be a really hippie thing, but then with all the tech guys, it's sort yeah. of like for tech libertarians. I mean, 80,000 people went there at 75, so it's a broad cross-section of just people who want to do drugs and listen to trance music while they look at weird art projects. But, like, I, I, don't, right. I don't... There's, well, no, there's it's also no supposed to be, yeah. as I understand it, it was, it's supposed to ostensibly be, like, super anti-capitalist. It's like a deconstruction of capitalism or something like that, but it's been co-opted by... You libertarians know, silicon valley and and you know tech bros or whatever but there's no money there there's no currency all that shit they still do that but yeah mm-hmm. it's like turned into something that it wasn't which is what happens to anything that you know gets too yeah. popular i think the guy who owns it is a hardcore libertarian if that matters at all but it, it's just like i mean they're, they're all they have, there's no currency unless you count trading drugs for sex which what's that i don't know <laughs> yeah barter system mark <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right well Labor Day? Yeah, so we just had Labor Day in the middle of uh, a pretty big, you know, we've been talking a lot about labor, which is sort of weird. Like, we're going to talk about the automaker strike and how many people are about to go on strike and how they this level of labor action used to be kind of normal, but just isn't anymore. But I, but I was wondering how we got Labor Day. I looked it up, and it's a pretty funny story. Well, it's not funny to the people who died, but so, <laughs> uh, so Gro- Grover Cleveland, all right, Labor Day is sort of unofficially started as like a march by labor organizers in North Carolina, in, sorry, in New York City, who would just have it once a year. It wasn't any sort of official state thing. They were just like march around or whatever. But then uh, there was a Pullman strike in Chicago. Pullman was like a company that made railroad, railroad cars. So a bunch of people in Chicago went on strike. Grover Cleveland sent in the, uh, the army to fucking crack their heads and hurt people, broke the strike. And then when people got mad at him for it, he's like, ah, fuck, I guess you guys all get a day off now. But they chose it at the end of the summer instead of May Day, because May Day is for communists. They didn't want to be associated with that, all right? But it reminded me of how we got Columbus Day. We talked about it back during Columbus Day, but if you don't remember, uh, there was a hate crime where a bunch of Italians were lynched in New Orleans. So Benjamin Harrison was like, okay, fuck, all the Italians are mad at me. Everybody gets a day off work. So what I'm thinking is, we all, yeah. currently we get, every time the government fucks up and a bunch of people die, we get another, we get a day off work. So we currently get like, I don't know what, seven, eight, 10 Mondays off a year. If we have like 40 some other disasters, we can have a four day work week, Trey. Sure. This is my plan here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, you think our government would commit that annually. You know what I mean? If it, if it depends on the government fucking something up and that's how you get a holiday yeah. and they're, uh, they're holding out on the holiday front. Cause they definitely keep fucking things up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Neither Cleveland nor Harrison got reelected by the way. So they're, they, we all got, they gave us a free day off and they got nothing for it. So fuck them. Um, so 
there's about to be another big strike. Uh, United Auto Workers uh, voted last week, uh, and 97% of their members voted to approve a strike. Um, the, the work stop, which would start September 14th, which is next Thursday, if yeah. I might be that, doing the math yeah. wrong. No, that, that's right. So that would that's 150,000 auto workers. Um, if they do it, it would be the most, most workers that have been on strike in a single year since 2018. Now, 2018's numbers in our current modern context were artificially, artificially inflated by teacher strikes, which were like statewide in a couple of states. So that was a shit a ton of people in one labor action. And they got some decent results. Um, which, uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. That's a, that's a graph Matt threw up. I didn't see that graph. So uh, this is like, if we're counting here, like, this is the most people that have been on strike in a year since um, uh, it would take the number to 450,000, which is the most in a long, long time. Uh, other than 2018, the most in a long, long time. The important thing to know here is in the 70s and 80s, 400,000 plus people being on strike every year was pretty routine. So this is something like getting back to normal relations between workers and their employees. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess I didn't really... I mean, I, I guess I never really thought about it, but I know there was a lot of like blood, sweat, and tears involved with getting you know, uh, unions on the board in the first place and some labor reform, mm. like when it all first happened. But I didn't realize that, uh, you know, that, that this, because I mean, it's been all over the news all summer, the summer of the strike, everything. I didn't know that this would just be like literally every other year for a big part of this country's history. It's like, this was just the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really know that until the eighties. Wonder what happened in the eighties. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, baby. Uh, <laughs> Always. Was it? 83, Reagan broke the air control, air, air traffic control yeah. strike, and a bunch of auto manufacturers moved their fa- plants to, to follow his lead, moved their plants to right to work states, and then workers lost power, and they're trying to reclaim some of it back. So, like, I think in general, like, I feel like if you, if somebody just got all their news from watching this show, they think things are getting continuously worse. Instead, more it's like things are always just sort of like a cyclical version of bad and getting better and worse in some ways and having to fight the same fights over and over again after, uh, you know, bosses get too cocky. Right. But, you know, like, the people in charge, in theory, their job is to make deals, but I think they've forgotten how to make deals. And sometimes you lo- you have a losing end of a you know the stick. I, I don't know. Something I've been thinking about in Twitter and in, in terms of the strikes we're on right now, where they've already lost but won't give up. Um, so the auto workers. This headline made me mad when I first read it, but then when I read the story, it made me feel bad because it's it read like uh, you know corporate media propaganda. The headline reads: UAW presses big three with audacious demands, edging closer to strike as deadline looms. Now. The, the kicker here, uh, what made me not mad, is the word audacious comes from the guy leading the United Auto Workers. Right. I asked her audacious. So that, <laughs> right. Funny. Um, and how do you feel? What, what, what'd you do? How'd you end that? How do you feel about that? Because, yes, the, the guy leading the, the UAW, the people that are striking, he's the one who called the demands audacious. What yeah. Do you, uh, what do you think about that uh, choice of I words on his part? I would have used that. I would have used that word because like, not, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure how much the PR war matters in this stuff. But like, because it's really just money, right? That doesn't really matter. Money doesn't care what people think of it. But That's like, a good point. The uh, uh, so, but I, I just wouldn't have said that out loud. But I right. encourage. I like people being audacious. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wonder what audacious means, they're asking for a 46 percent pay raise. A 32-hour work week without losing any of their pay and a restoration of traditional pensions. Now, the pensions should be a layup. They should have never lost those. But they they did the, the thing where they gave away stuff when the automakers said they were on hard times. They had to do it to survive. Then when profits went back up, they never gave them back their pensions. All right? Yeah, imagine that. Um, 
it's also like but calling those those demands all day to me and i don't know shit but there's also you know negotiation leverage is important mm-hmm. it sort of reads to me like acknowledging yeah we know we're probably not going to get all this or do you know what i mean it's like uh, we're coming in high or whatever type of thing like you do in negotiations it feels like yeah sort of acknowledging that like yeah you know we're wilding right now but yeah we'll see Before what we, we end up the four day work week thing is like is one of those things that every academic or study you see says it's a thing that should be you, you, right. everyone should do because you no one loses productivity. Actually, productivity goes up because people right. are less tired, more motivated at their jobs, right. and it's just still never going to happen. Like they, they part you of the because so? like and I know they're fighting yeah. a big crusade against this right now, but I also like when I was working an office job, I thought that like wide scale work from home shit would probably never happen in this country. And then you know one pandemic later, but again, I know Republicans are trying to. They're like trying to make that illegal uh, to work from home because, yeah. like, because you know, because corporate real estate's really hurting right now, and somebody's got to think of the corporate, you know, uh, real estate yeah. overlords. And the uh, offices are sitting empty. It's like mm-hmm. maybe people could live in them. Well, now that doesn't make any sense. Won't you gotta, think of the offices, Trey? The yeah, offices right. are so lonely. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, like if you, uh, they're already. I mean, I think some work from home stuff's here to stay, but they're clawing a lot of it. Like Zoom made its employees return to the office, which is like <laughs> Zoom should be like, you know what? We're going out of business because like this, these two things can't exist in the same. You know, whatever. Uh, so the, the 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 union leader we're talking about. There's a guy by the name of Sean Fain who really hits for me. He's a he's he's not he's not like just a pure organizer. He actually he worked in an auto factory. He's a 54 year old electrician. He came out of a Chrysler factory in Kokomo, Indiana. And last month, uh, during a Facebook live event, he condemned a contract proposal from Stellantis, which is one of the big three automakers now, as trash, and tossed a copy of it into a wastebasket where it belongs. So yeah, he's fired up. If you, like, I didn't realize uh, I'm not I don't follow uh, you know the auto industry closely. Stellantis is the company, the parent company that owns Chrysler, Jeep, Fiat right now. Um, I just don't I don't understand that. Like I mean I guess it doesn't matter because like it's not like you go to the lot and buy a uh, you know Stellantis Wrangler. Like it's still Jeep at the lot. You know what I'm saying? But like mm-hmm. I just think that's weird that they you know that instead of Chrysler or whatever, it's a uh, Stellantis now. It's a European company. Maybe there are Stellantises somewhere. I don't know. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So here's Sean Fain saying they got, they get out of control salaries. They get pensions. They don't even need, they get top rate healthcare. They work whatever schedule they want. The majority of our members do not get a pension nowadays. It's crazy. We get substandard healthcare. We don't get to work remotely. Uh, And you talk about the profits they are making Ford GM and Stellantis made a combined 21 billion in profits just in the first half of 2023 and 250 billion in profits over the last decade. So they got it to give is what I'm saying here. This isn't like the nineties when they're on hard times, like uh, American cars have rebounded in relation to like foreign made yeah. models because everyone wants big trucks now. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I, that was another thing I didn't realize because it was just all you heard for so long and then lead up to like bailouts and everything. It's just like, you know, the big three were fucking hurting, you know, Detroit's a mm-hmm. ghost town. The big three automakers are getting wrecked by, you know, Japan and Korea and all this shit. I didn't know that they had uh, turned it around to that degree, like fucking $20 billion in profit a year. Pretty good. Yeah. Or wait, no, half a year. $20 billion uh-huh. in profits just the first half of this year. Yeah. yeah. Doing well, they, right. they, ne- they never want to give it back, though, even when they're making it. Like, this is a number from the, the uh, you know, it's Labor Day. It's the AFL-CIO president. Name, her name's Liz Schuler. Gave a big speech over the weekend where she talked uh, talked about the union's annual reporting, showing that the average CEO now makes 272 times what the average worker makes in a year. 
uh, even 50 years ago, that was like 20 times. Um, right. So, yeah. Uh, why this is happening now, other than their contract being up, um, the leverage the UAW has, besides there being huge profits and the, the, the company's not wanting um, to, uh, you know, stop that gravy train, there's a few things going on. But something to know is, like, the UAW hasn't announced where they're going to strike all three automakers at once or just pick one they usually just pick one like uh, a couple years ago they picked just gm and gm lost over four, a 40-day strike lost 3.6 billion dollars which i'm betting is not what it would have cost them to pay their workers to not strike those 40 days but i, I don't it, get does it like you know like with us and our strikes it's against like you know the amt ptp or whatever like which represents all the you know the studios and the, and everything and it's an agreement everybody comes to like collectively. What I'm saying is like, if they pick just GM, Ford and Stellantis, they still have to, like, they all have to agree. They can't, do you know what I mean? Even though they're not striking all of them, if they do it that way, they're still trying to reach an agreement with all three of them ultimately. And in, in which case it's like, why wouldn't Ford and Stellantis be like, hey, fuck GM, I don't give a shit. And it's like only GM that's incentivized to find to reach well, agreement, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it, it's it strikes to demonstrate resolve, but you can rotate who you strike. The problem, what the reason you pick one is because you don't want to, they have like an $875 million strike fund that they where they pay struck workers out of it and pay, pay for their health care, and they don't want to burn, they want to burn through it more slowly, right? So, like, they might do 40 days for GM, then 40 days right. for Atlantis, yeah. Okay. So yeah, spread my, around a little bit. I, I don't I don't actually know, I don't want to talk about my ass, but I'm assuming they'll have to abide by the same agreement, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so it looks like this time if they pick one to go first, they'll probably pick Stellantis, and that's because they had their biggest beef with, is with Stellantis because Stellantis shuttered a factory in Ohio that the union wants them to reopen. Um, so part part of the levers they have is electric vehicles. All right, uh, automakers are poised to release a new slew of electric vehicles that, be, that could be delayed by a strike. All right, so they're they need a rapid advances in technology and new brands they're rolling out, and a strike would fuck all that up. And they only because the vehicles are new, they don't have a, like a huge backstop to like dump on the market. So Striker really fuck them. Um, the company's only leverage is the electric vehicles. On the other end, they're basically saying that like uh, the, the electric vehicle companies they're competing with have far lower labor costs because they're they're not union, and they're basically appealing to the Biden administration, saying, "Hey, it's a nice climate you have. You have a nice climate plan. These workers are going to fuck it up, right?" Right. Um, and electric vehicles are kind of a big deal in a strike, which is sort of cool that they're a big deal in any way, shape, or form for someone who wants to, you know, have my niece and nephew not have to grow gills in 30 years. Um, part of what the union wants is a, uh, they they uh, they want union rep at 10 EV battery plants that are partially owned by the companies, but it's a joint venture with South a South Korean company who is not used to paying union wages. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyone who's seen any sort of, you know, South Korean movie or TV show recently, I'm just thinking specifically of Parasite or a Squid Game, yeah. knows that they have their, they have just as big a beefs with, uh, you know, late stage capitalism, if not right. than we do. Right. Um, let me quote here. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just the, in all of those, all of the, uh, auto manufacturers from over there, like that you, they're all non-union, right? Mm. And that was, I would how think do, so. Yeah. How does that like. You know, I don't know. How do they maintain that? You know what I mean? Like they're still they have plants in this country and American workers and everything, right? Who, I mean, I know they. There's like a Nissan plant in Tennessee, or there's you know, a Volkswagen. You think you just you just answered your own question, buddy? They put it in Tennessee, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. right to it's a right to work state. Um, right. Right. Uh, so let me quote here from about the atomic electric vehicle, uh, EV battery plants. Let me quote here from Fame. These battery workers deserve the same wage and salary demands that generations of auto workers have fought for. Um, part of this is to protect the union in general because, like, uh, electric vehicles are simpler to build. They have way fewer moving parts, so they need fewer workers to assemble them. So there goes some union jobs. In addition, you know, the, as the combustion engine vehicles are replaced and those jobs are moved to EV plants, there's less union jobs. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's like, it's like these jobs are eating the union jobs. And one of the things they want is to put a stop to that, which is where the Biden administration comes in because <laughs> this is like one of those headaches that come from trying to actually govern responsibly. Cause you have two competing priorities here, right? You have all your climate measures related to, uh, you know, the inflation reduction act and you have like trying to, you want working people to have decent jobs and, they don't have an answer to this question yet <laughs> about how to go fast and make electric vehicles and also have them also be union jobs because, you know, negotiations take a long time and right. factories unionize pretty slowly. Uh, they're doing some things to try to help. We'll get to in a little bit. But the uh, let me quote here from a senior Biden administration official uh, said he said there's no magic solution in the administration's back pocket on the joint venture facility question. The issue throws a new complicated dynamic in the contract talks are usually centered around traditional economic acts like higher wages. Um, and the guy, I mean, here's a quote. We agree completely that battery factory workers deserve every right to organize and negotiate for jobs that provide the pay and protections needed for economic security and economic dignity. Uh, but this yeah. dynamic is why the UAW has not endorsed Biden yet. Um, right. It, it is a weird thing because it'd be like if, if AI, right, was saving the planet in to any degree right. you know what i mean in in uh -huh. situation. if it was like somehow ai would that was good for the environment and everybody knew it, it was bad for us right um so yeah it's uh but we're not in that yeah. scenario, but it does make it a bit of a sticky situation i can well I the solution is simple it's just painful for rich people the solution is you just have AI everywhere except for job protections for the industries where, you know, it actually displaces people. That's what essentially what the UAW is asking for. It's like, yeah, EV, electric vehicles are great. And they say the electric vehicles are great and they're, they want to stop climate change. Just make sure the battery plants are union. That's, that's, that's the simple solution. Right, right. But it's not yeah. simple to the automakers, right? Yeah. Uh, so the main reason they withheld this, this is all the main reason they withheld their endorsement. That's not to say they're going to endorse Trump or some other candidate. And I may quote here from their statement about this quote, another Donald Trump presidency would be a disaster, but our members need to see an alternative that delivers real results. Uh, uh, we need to get our workers organized behind a pro worker, pro climate and pro democracy political program to deliver for the working class. They're just like withholding to put Biden's feet to the fire on this. Uh, and it appears to kind of be working. So uh, Biden administration did a couple cool things recently. They put out a big report from the Treasury Department, uh, basically making the argument that unions are great for everybody, uh, which is not something that, for example, a Republican administration would ever fucking do, or even probably Obama or Clinton's administration. Uh, the report, um, it's, it was titled Labor Unions in the Economy. It talked about uh, spillover effects, basically how right. union, union jobs are good for non-union workers as well, because they raise everybody's wages. Like they have sure. workers here. Uh, yeah, because you want to, you know, if you want to be competitive or what, like if you want to hire good people to make a good product mm -hmm. and remain competitive or whatever, you're going to have to like, you know, be able to match or come close to matching what they get in a union position or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean, it just like, check out, makes sense. 
Uh, here's a graph from that uh, Treasury Department report. Uh, it has the red line is the income share of the top 1%, and the blue line is union membership rates. Now, you can see how they correlate right there. Uh, <laughs> union membership goes down, top 1% goes way up, right? So oh, that's yeah. part of the argument they're making. Um, but the numbers are like for every one percentage point increase in private sector union membership rates, it, it translates to a 0.3% increase in non-union wages. So like if a if a if a union worker gets a dollar a, a dollar raise, then a you know a non-union worker gets a 30, 30 cent raise. So um, there's also non-economic reasons companies and conservatives hate unions, which is like I thought that was interesting to include this data. Like for non-union, uh, sorry, union voters are more likely to vote by twelve percent <laughs> because they encourage their membership to vote and they make sure the companies give people time to vote. They're also right. more likely to volunteer and donate to charity. I'm assuming because they have more money and free time. Um, but I just wanted, like, after Labor Day, I wanted to make the case that, like, everybody should be rooting for unions. And Nikki Haley and her campaign for president made the case more effectively than I ever could. Here's a standard Republican talking point about how we all need to work until we die. You know, you've got multiple candidates on that stage that said they wouldn't touch entitlements, including Trump. And any candidate that says they're not going to touch entitlements means that they're basically going to go into the go into office and then leave America bankrupt. Social Security is going to go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in eight. So the way we deal with it is we don't touch anyone's retirement or anyone who's been promised in. But we go to people like my kids in their 20s when they're coming into the system and we say the rules have changed. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do it based on inflation. We limit the benefits on the wealthy and we expand Medicare Advantage plans. What's the right age there then, Ambassador? Well, I think we have to do the numbers. We've got to figure out what it is. But what we do know is 65 is way too low. And we All right. Fuck you. That. Cut it off. Yeah, dude. That's wild. It's wild. It's like, and we had talked before. I was like, I just don't understand any of these Republicans think this is a winning strategy to go after Social Security and everything, considering their base and the mammals and papals and whatnot. But like and you had pointed out, and she says it right there. She's just like, listen, we're going to leave y'all alone. We're just going to mm-hmm. fuck these kids is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to fuck them right. up. And like that is a winning strategy on the right. It's all, it's just so, it's just so, it's just such a baldly might, shitty thing to have be a major, like a, you know, a foundational part of your party's platform or whatever. Uh, it might actually make sense in a Republican primary because young Republicans are already all, already all rich or think they're going to be rich. And older and your older voters, you're just telling them you're going to let them off the hook, but probably cut their taxes because they don't have to pay right. security for young people. But no, yeah, I, yeah, I get it now. You know, to make but to make this argument that we need to raise the age of retirement because life expectancy has gone up is extremely stupid at a time when life expectancy is going down for Americans. Yeah. This is like the most cynical. You're just fucking lying. This is like, like here, they quote some numbers here from the, the CDC. Uh, uh, that decline uh, in, from 20 to 2020 to 2021, uh, the life expectancy declined from 77 to 76.1. That's for people born in 2020, I think. So the, even for babies, they're going to die sooner. That 0.9-year drop in life expectancy expectancy in 2021, along with a 1.8-year drop in 2020, a lot of that was due to COVID. I was about to say, that's got to be COVID-related, right? It has to be. But but it still got lower than the COVID year. was the biggest two-year decline in life expectancy since 1921 to 1923, which was the tail end of the Spanish flu epidemic. All right? Uh, So you're going to need a pension. 
because <laughs> these motherfuckers are going to take your social security. And if you ever want stuff like paid family leave, you're going to need to get it from your union because Michigan is trying to pass a paid family leave bill right now. And Republicans are running around and calling it summer break for adults. This is paid family leave. So you can take care of your newborn baby or your dying mother or your dying wife. And they're saying it's summer break. For I just don't get families. that. Like, does, does, doesn't pretty much every working person like some time off? Like, you know what I mean? Like universal, who doesn't like time off? And it's like, they're just insulting people who like time off to their fight. You know, just the idea of time off or taking care of a baby or whatever. It's like, you know, yeah, that's gay. What do you want? What are you, a child, a gay child? You don't need to go to fucking summer camp. You work 12 hours a day until you die like a man. Um, yeah. Let me quote here. This was like a leak to the Michigan Republicans accidentally leaked to this fucking, uh, these talking points. But this one, the one of them was a tiring, tire, aspiring tyrants never tire of grand plans of telling you how to live. Offering you the chance to spend time with your newborn infant is telling you how to live. You don't have to take it. Right. You don't have to fucking take it. It's like, it, it, this is absolutely insane. Uh, but the thing is, people are getting wise to this game. And it's probably why Republicans are trying to end the right to vote because uh, young people are, uh, you know, turn, turning pretty hard, uh, hard left pretty fast. Here's some new polling from uh, um, from last week. 88% of young Americans support labor unions, which makes Gen Z, uh, puts Gen Z on track to be the most unionized generation in American history. Um, overall, right now, about 67% of Americans say they approve of labor unions. That's from a poll by Gallup. That's up from 54% a year ago. Again, up, up from 54 to 67. Uh, this is like, it's been 40 years since union support was even remotely this high. It was just around uh, just around 50% in the early 80s when we still had a heavily unionized workforce. So, like, people are fucking fed up, dog. <laughs> we always talk about it. Um, which Biden's trying to capitalize on all this. I mean, I'm sorry, capitalize sounds like it's cynical. But it's tra- he's trying to lean into this because it's a popular movement also with the good. Um the Biden's NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, did a couple of cool things recently. On Friday, it released a ruling in a case called Semex Construction Materials Pacific. Basically, they changed the burden of proof in union disputes. It used to be like the union would have to prove that the company was squashing a unionization movement, right? Now, the company has to prove bad faith negotiation on the, they have to prove that there's not really 51% support for a union, which is harder to do. So right. it makes it a lot easier to fucking basically if you, if you're caught, they're caught operating in bad faith, for example, for firing unionizing workers as Starbucks has done hundreds and hundreds of times in the last few years, automatically union recognized. Fuck you automatically union. <laughs> so right. when I talk, when I talk about how like they're trying to help, the unionization efforts, the electric, electric vehicle battery factories. This is what I'm talking about. This kind of stuff. So hopefully, this kind of stuff helps get you know the uh, uh, UAW's endorsement and helps the union more importantly because it's you know uh, real life people stuff. But they still bump up into the central problem of Democrat brain. The thing we complain about here. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons these changes happen so rapidly, rulings in consecutive days, is because. Uh, one of the three Biden appointees on the Labor Relations Board, her term's about to run out. Her name is Gwen Wilcox. Once she's off the board, there will only be three members left since one of the Republican seats has been vacant. Basically, the system is like tradition is there are three three uh, representatives of the president's party, two mm-hmm. representatives from the other party. All right. right. 
And so if the one Republican seat's empty, that means it's three to one Democrat to Republican. Once her term expires, it'll only be three people left. And the tradition is you don't do any more stuff. All right. Right. Republic, Republicans know this. So they haven't nominated anyone to replace the Republican seat because they know that the Democrats won't nominate a replacement. Until they right. Do. Yeah. Because so that's also they, tradition. Right. The right. tradition is like you don't. Yeah. If they don't nominate somebody, then the Dems won't nominate a replacement either, which would leave the board with just three people. And then there's a separate tradition that says when there's only three people, they don't do shit or whatever. And right. it's like, where do these, where do these uh, arcane traditions come from, man? Like, why and do we need shit? Like, there are these unwritten rules for the National Labor Relations Board. It's like, just do the stuff what about, you're supposed to what do. about the tradition where if republicans are supposed to nominate somebody for the seat they nominate somebody for the seat that's also right. a fucking rule right yeah an, un, an unwritten rule so why is it why is it every time good stuff starts happening it's like oh we found an obscure rule in the back of a napkin right. in 1834 says we actually can't do any more good things sorry guys it's like uh oh, fuck i just fucking they're, they're basically betting that mansion and cinema won't vote to like seat somebody just because Republicans are being dickheads and they're probably right. But like who, uh, who do these people work for? Um, anyway, I thought it was moving. Cause like people get mad at me when I criticize, uh, uh, Biden, but it's not cause I hate him personally or anything. And like, it, it, it's, it, and I do think he does a good job on a lot of stuff, but here's a good Bernie Sanders gave a speech, uh, Saturday that I think kind of summed it up for me. It's no secret that I want Joe Biden to be reelected president, and he he and I share the goal of beating back right wing extremism. We also want Democrats to have majority control over the Senate and the House, and governors' mansions and state houses all across the country. In my view, if that's going to happen, we're if we're going to defeat creeping authoritarianism and right wing extremism, there has to got there's got to be an ideological change. Of course, Democrats up and down the line are going to have to be much clearer to the American people as to what they stand for. Most importantly, which side they're on the greatest struggle we now face. So Biden did a bunch of stuff that's on the side of working people and the auto workers. And then somebody says a rule says that mansion cinema won't vote for something and the whole Democratic Party lays down. And mm-hmm. it's sort of a, that's, the, that's the part that frustrates. Again, Republicans are the evil actors here. But right. you don't have to be hapless in the face of it. That's the part that frustrates me. But I'm glad the, the I'm glad in the the National Labor uh, Relations Board. Yeah, those good school steps. Yeah, being uh, being hapless in the face of evil actors is you know it's pretty much the Dems number one. That's chapter one, page one. Matt, uh, find us some uh, comments, questions, and whatnot. I did want to share some there, a piece of a piece of good news. A friend of the show. Uh, here, yeah, Valerie Dixon. This is a good, yeah, good point. Why shouldn't we have a summer break? They take it. Fuck it. All of Europe's on vacation basically from June to the end of August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how they pull it off and we can't, but anyway. Uh, friend of the show, Representative Gloria Johnson, we had her on. She's one of the Tennessee Three. Uh, she's officially launched a campaign for the 2024 Senate to take on Marsha Blackburn. Um, so that's cool. Um, Diane saw that coming, evidently. Diane oh. Obusek on YouTube says Gloria Johnson for U.S. Senate. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited because I mean she's got a lot going for her. She's uh, you know uh, plain smoking, good hearted, uh, good uh, you know uh, good values. On the other hand, Tennessee, and she's a sane person with good values. So it's yeah, really we don't generally <laughs> don't generally go for that sort of thing. I, dude, yeah. Marsha Blackburn was a pretty uh, back breaking moment for me uh, in the current political landscape as a Tennessean because like. Uh, you know, it was, she was running against Bredesen, right? And Bredesen was a former, uh, you know, governor and mayor of Nashville and all this stuff who was like well liked and a Democrat that, you know, was generally well liked in back in the day. And he tried all that, like, and he was being like moderate, you know, or whatever. 
and just got absolutely wrecked, man. And that was uh, very eye-opening for me. And also, I just hate Marsha Blackburn with every fiber of my being. Uh, Tonda Lewis says, these scum have no idea what a physical job does to the body by even 55 years old. They can sit on their ass in the office and maybe they can work longer. I mean, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true, you know, and it it will be people that like real working people will be the ones that are most expected to, you know, work beyond mm-hmm. the current retirement age or whatever. Like rich people, you know, sit on their ass and their money makes some money. They can retire wherever they want to, whenever they want to. Richard mm-hmm. Daniel says Americans have been brainwashed into believing they don't deserve time off or retirement. Yeah. I, when I was saying that earlier, I was like, who doesn't like time off? I, in my head, I was like, man, actually, there are plenty of people out there who are like, no. You know, you, you work. That's what you do. Like the value, you know, hard working hard. That's what being an American's all about. Even if it's, you know, well, just for if you fucking, like it, you know. Yeah. If you like it, then that's fine. I don't care if everybody wants to work themselves to death. Right. But yeah, like the, the, the person's talking about the physical, like my, my wife waited a lot of tables and had to like make herself a man, and into like an advanced manager job that she created at the restaurant she worked at because her knees and back were giving out. And she was only like 32. That's just what it, that, that's just waiting table. It's not digging ditches or anything. My dad worked construction and basically couldn't close his hands the last 20 years of his life until he was 40 on because of operating heavy machinery. Yeah. yeah. Price is right. Says uh, two weeks notice will get you a raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they get real mad at you and tell you not they to come con- back for the rest of the two continue. weeks. I tried to quit three <laughs> times, ended up with three raises. <laughs> yeah, Hell yeah, man. buddy. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid move. Yeah, but they, yeah, like that's, Mark said, they might also just be like, "All right, well, fuck off, man." <laughs> that's the kind of move that, like, is my, my value, personality. Yeah, know. or it's also like a uh, price. Uh, I'm going to call you price. I'm assuming that's a nom de plume, but uh, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, nom de guerre, which one we go with? See, uh, undercover name. Uh, <laughs> uh, my charisma level, or whatever it is, if I try moves like that. I immediately get told to fuck off. Oh, so buddy. Not, uh, Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No yeah. way so I can pull that off. Price is very yeah. well liked and charming or, and, and good at their yeah. job. So. Russ Stanford says my... F- 401k, my, I'm assuming. Oh, okay. 403b disappeared in 2009. $80,000. Poof. After 25 years of working at the same place. Yeah. 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 That's horseshit, man. I was just watching... Uh, I rewatched The Big Short last night. Great movie. But it was like... It made, I was just every time I watch that movie, I'm just marveling at how like it's all just made up. Like it just, it results in like people's lives just being ruined. You know what I mean? Across the whole country, like real people, with very real I, consequences. And it's all based on like just made up shit. That's not even, re- you know what I mean? Like the, the CDOs and synthetic CDOs and all that shit they were doing. And it's just like some sort of fucking, yeah. I rewatched that uh, that movie. It just got added to Netflix. If you guys want to watch it, I, I fucking love that movie. But it makes me so mad every time I watch it because like none of it makes sense. You watch the characters slowly go insane when they realize that the the whole system they devoted their lives to is just nothing but fraud. Right. But uh, yeah, we read. Yeah, we read that uh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. So, the uh, so I've I recommended to you the, the documentary Telemarketers is dropped on H- HBO. If you watch that and don't want to do a fucking revolution, I'm not sure what to tell you because it's like. The level of scammery, and I realized how many charities my mom has been taken by, they're nothing but complete fraud. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I've been hearing wild things about that docu- that docu-series. Uh, got got brought up to me earlier today uh, to check yeah. it out. It is 
hilarious. It's basically about a bunch of guys who worked at a call center in New Jersey in like the early 2000s, realized they were part of something deeply corrupt and weird, started filming themselves in their camcorders. They're all doing drugs on heroin, high at work, calling old ladies pretending to be police officers, taking their paychecks. Cops are getting a cut of it. It's fucking grace. <laughs> Jesus. But, All right. Yeah. Michael Loeb or Leby. Uh, Loeby says, yes, Gen Z labor. Love it. Those, I, I agree. Um, all right. Thank you guys for watching and I hope you enjoyed your Labor Day weekend. Uh, before we go, I want to again remind you real quick, tricrowder.com to get tickets to come see me or pre-order the book. You can also uh, watch my special on YouTube. Subscribe to the uh, podcast on your podcast apps right even if you just watch the show it'll help us out smash the like button all that good shit and you can support us on patreon weeklyskews.com slash more or go on patreon look me up either way works but the most important thing is you keep coming back on skews days for this here show and as long as you do that we'll keep doing them we'll see you next week love you bye Skew.